Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, the benefits of graph databases with Hadi Amadi, Director of Product Solutions at Katanagraph. Hadi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Darren, for, for inviting me and giving me this opportunity to be able to talk about this interesting topic. Well, it's, it's really interesting because when I first talked to you guys about graph databases, I was like, yeah, I know a little bit about graph databases. Then you blew my head off because um, you taught me a whole lot more on what you could do. But before we get into that, Hattie, tell us a little, tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure thing. Uh, absolutely. So let me actually start from a little bit of my background and where I came from. I got my PhD in computer science in 2012, uh, did a lot of research in, in cryptography, network information security, and were in academia for you know, a couple of years after then moved to industry and focus on different aspects of security uh, solutions from identity and access management to other things. But I think it was since 2015 or so that I started to learn more about graph, data modeling, graph databases, graph data structure. And it was interesting enough for me to actually start thinking how we could uh, model some of these complex problems in my field of study uh, and see whether we can benefit from a graph data modeling and how, how we can possibly better solve them. And that was interesting enough actually for me to be able to actually do this kind of things. And the results were very promising, you know, um, I had a lot of projects worked on. And um, that actually made me decide, you know, I want to dedicate more of my time to graph. Uh, and that's why I joined Katana Graph. And I'm now there as a director of solutions architecture. Uh, also work on the product, uh, very happy to do so, and trying to actually be finding those interesting problems that are complex enough that the existing or alternative solutions cannot tackle, and hence the graph. So this is really interesting because you guys are trying to, in some respects, displace a technology that's been around 70 years? Yeah. Which is relational databases, right? Those have been around... Yeah. Since the dawn of all, of you know data structures and things like that, right? Exactly. Well, uh, let me first. Uh, I know that most of you know people that are probably listening to our conversation already know about this concept of the graph and the graph data structure. But to respect everybody who might be interested in the podcast, let me tell you first what do we mean when we talk graph or when we say graph. Okay, that sounds great. First of all, we're not really talking about you know graphs as charts or you know the graphical interfaces or things like that, not even for that matter, a, a graph in a way of visual, visualizing data using nodes and edges. That could be a side benefit or side product, but we're really talking about a way uh, to structure your data in storage level so that you can retrieve and process this data for some of the complex problems, especially if this data is interconnected. On that note, um, I should say that it's not that graph is going to do the magic and solve all the problems. And we're not here, at least that's my belief, that to, to replace or even compete with the existing data structures or solutions is probably complementing those for some of the problems that they can't tackle. Still, if you look at 
um, the you know some of the problems, some of the data. Hopefully, we can talk about that. The, the nature of the data would be in a way that you could still benefit from a key value data store or relational database model or or object storage for that matter. Uh, so it doesn't mean that graphs are there to solve all the problems. We really need to look at your data and see whether you can benefit from graph or not. Okay, so that brings up an interesting point because graph graph databases are great for linkages and relationships, right? Yeah. But isn't that a relational database? I mean, a relational database yeah. is all about relationships. It has, a, it has it in a term, right? It has it in its term. So... What's the key differential here? I know relational databases, I've got a table, I've got, you know, I can relate from one table to another table. So what's the key differential uh, differentiator here? Fair enough, fair enough. It's, it's very valid, very good question. I'm, I'm glad that you asked it. Yeah, you're right. And relational databases are all also about respecting relationships. The main difference is that in the relational databases, we actually put this relationship in the metadata level, in the schema level. Whereas in graph databases, it's going to be data-driven relationships. So relationships are going to be part of the data versus part of the metadata in relational side. So in other words, in relational databases, we are relating tables, columns of the tables, basically. And if you want to introduce a new relationship, basically you need to change your schema in a way. Whereas graph provides this quote-unquote schema-less infrastructure for you to be able to actually add a little bit of more uh, structure around your data, but still be flexible um, so you can ingest any sort of unstructured data as well. Okay, so it's great at unstructured data coming in, schemaless, which means great for great for data. I don't quite know what the schema is yet, right? Um, so I can see I can see those uh, those benefits. Uh, but isn't everything already stored in a database? It is. Uh, no, absolutely. It's just the fact that, again, um, the, the, the main risk that we're now facing is big computation. So we have had conversations around big data for a long while. Uh, and that, thanks to a lot of technology, uh, basically, that has been, has been built and provided, uh, within the last few years, we have been able to collect a lot of data from different sources. So more than half of the world's data has been created within the last couple of years. But only That's less than 2% of it has been analyzed. Which means that, again, thanks to those data lake sort of um, experiences, you can excellently collect data. However, at, when it gets you know, to processing that data, there's not enough we can do. So you want to have a way to flexibly add a little bit of a structure to this data, not really much, and it's dynamic enough that you can easily change it if you're uncertain, but still benefit from optimized advanced computation on it. And graph is an excellent way to do so. So with only 2% of the data being analyzed, most of that data analyzed is structured data today, right? Yeah. But what percentage is that unstructured data? That, that's sitting out there of all this new data being generated? Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a very valid question, a very good question. I don't really know the exact, you know, uh, basically fraction of that data, but I assume that all of that unstructured data now is, is being tackled using low-level APIs of the data lake experience, uh, which works excellent, but the problem is it, 
it lacks the optimization because if you deal with unstructured low-level data, uh, you can't really do any sort of engine optimization to the computation. Okay, so how does how does graph database help with that unstructured data, or um, give it give us some examples? Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, so as I said before, again, um, the let me let me start with this again. I, I would love to just make sure that I, I stay fair with this concept. That <laughs> hey, okay. if you do have a data that or a, a problem deals with data that's that's isolated. I mean, you have a you know bunch of like, key values documents. Uh, you, you want to store and retrieve, you don't really need graph. If, you, if your use case is all about storing data, blobs of storage, you could use an object storage, you don't need graph. Uh, but if you, you're actually trying to work with correlated data, interconnected data, that's where you would benefit from graph because of the relationships. And this comes almost in any industry because the uh, the unstructured data usually comes from a variety of sources and variety of structure, or sorry, I should say, uh, natures. And when uh, I can give an example um, that you know I may be more versed on, as uh, let's say we want to go and do cyber security solutions, looking at the logs and audit trails that come from the network environments, the cloud infrastructure, the endpoint hosts, and, and all that. And these are all coming from different sources. Uh, data is different. Some of them are you know, coming from directories, some from raw log files, and so on and so forth. And we would like to have a way to be able to correlate the data because typically you know, an identity or a user that could be part of a, a log uh, that comes from our identity management system could be the same user that triggers a process in a laptop or maybe downloads an attachment from an email. And, and, and da, 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 da. So if you can actually use the correlation or linkage between this data, you can get more insight from it by just analyzing those patterns. So this is what I'm trying to say, like, doesn't matter how or where your data is coming from, by providing that sort of linkage between these data points, you'll be able to learn more about each and every record by looking at the context around it. So I like the context uh, part, of, part of this because that's where I can really start looking at real data analytics. Where did my data come from? What else is it related to? I love the example of an email because I can't imagine building a relational database that shows an email. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean that would be really hard. Because, oh, I've got attachments to it. I've got responses. I've got for My data tables would be massive, and there would be so many of them to show all the different relationships. Yeah. So so with graph databases, I can form these relationships dynamically as as my data structures are dynamic. Is that Absolutely. is that right? Absolutely. And it make it maybe even to make it more sort of bold is, you know, if you have a problem anywhere and you think you can just go to a whiteboard and just model your data with, you know, just some whiteboard friendly sort of nodes that are connected with edges then it seems that you can benefit from a graph that you don't want to downgrade that model you have in mind to tackle, but just you know make it a two-dimensional data structure with you know tables with rows and columns. You would actually be able to store it as is. And I emphasize as is in a graph data structure. So why not do so? Yeah, no, I like that. I like I like that a lot. So I can see one of the benefits. One is 
I don't have uh, data transformation issues. So that's going to speed up things dramatically, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm not trying to represent complex relationships in several tables. So I'm decreasing also the um, storage requirements, right? That, that is correct. That is correct. I mean, it would be a, one of those, you know, double-edged source that depending on how you model data. Uh, but you're right that, you know, let, let me just maybe talk about this social network because that's very easy. Uh, oh, social network. That's yeah. a great one. Yeah. So to me, if you want to make it very simplistic, the graphs and, 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 and relational databases or relational data structure in general are, are very compatible. The node types look like the tables. So I have a node type of called, like, let's say, person. And then I could have a table called person model relational database. Great. Right. I might have another node type called location and connect my person to a specific location. Of course, I can have a table called location and connect them through foreign keys. Awesome. Now, I have this relationship of friendship, right? A friend, a person is friend of a person. In my graph model, it's just a self-loop kind of thing, right? Uh, that would allow me to just model that schema if I want to. Uh, in in a relational database, I need to create this new table called friends, and then I need to connect it. So even at the schema level, I'm adding some redundancy and some structure over top of it. And if I need to add a new concept of friendship or relationship, I need to create new tables yet. So, so that is the redundancy or complexity, the way I see it. So you're right, and it does add a lot of complexity um, on traversing tables to, to get information, on um, maintenance, management, building indices, all that stuff now becomes uh, more complex the more relationship tables that I have. So I, I really kind of like, like this a lot in that um, what, what other benefits do I get from a graph database over relational? Yeah, the, the, the one other thing about graph databases is this whole area of graph analytics uh, and the graph AI. Uh, I'm not going to go into details of those things. Basically, uh, the the idea of you know being able to now model your data and being able to find patterns on your data based on the, the way that data is connected is great. Uh, an example could be you know PageRank algorithm, which is put forth by Google to be able to actually now sort the, the pages that have been searched over time, you know, what is the, the most linkages to the page and all that. So once you have a data model as a graph, then you can simply run, run a page rank algorithm across the graph and, and find a rank for each and every node based on how they are connected to the others. The other example could be finding the, the components. So you have this, this big data, you, don't, you have a problem to solve, you don't know how to tackle this, in a relational database. Uh, but if your data was in a graph, the one thing that you could do possibly, if it again made sense depending on your problem, would be to divide and conquer, to use a connected component sort of algorithm or some sort of community detection algorithm on the graph to be able to chunk your graph to subgraphs that are of focus. And then you could go and look at a specific subgraph of certain size and be able to solve your problem on that specific subgraph. That's another way of looking at it. So you're, help, help me understand. So what I think I heard was I can decrease the data set that I am searching through or analyzing because of the relationships. I can, I can prune things down to a, a more substantial set Correct. instead of searching everything. Exactly. 
Exactly. It's, it's oh, like that's, that's using the, 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 the power of data to even empower data even further. Uh, um, this, this connected components or things like that would be, you know, even looked at as, you know, ways of doing feature engineering for our ML AI layer where we can take advantage of it. And this information may not be explicitly given by a relational or any sort of data, but it can be in, uh, found using some sort of graph mining, data mining data. Gotcha. So, so the algorithms in a graph database are very different than the algorithms that we've seen in relational databases. That's so, and better optimized, you think? Or I can get I can get to large sets of data faster. Absolutely. I mean, better optimized for those again for the purpose that they do. I mean, if you're talking about graph algorithm, which is about you know depth first search, you need a graphing structure. If you want to use a relational data or anything else, that would be cute already. Let's say that I just had one big table and I'm just doing raw searches for, I need, uh, I need everyone with this zip code, a relational database would probably be the way to go. Absolutely. I mean, if it, those are the queries gotcha. that you want to get, that would be it. But if you're in the realm of, let's say, managed massive data management or some sort of entity 360, entity resolution, those kind of things that actually would benefit from modeling your data in a way that you can actually find those patterns between different entities, then relational database can't help you in a scalable way. And again, I'm saying that in a scalable way, you right, can yeah. definitely model anything that today we have in a graph database with a relational data structure and vice versa. It's all about when data scales, one of them can't keep up. Gotcha. So let's talk about scale a little bit. When you say scale, I mean, how big are we talking? I mean, in relational databases, we talk about number of rows, yep. right? Um, that would be comparable to number of nodes in a uh, in a graph database, correct? Uh, pretty much, yes. Uh, you, you're you're right. Uh, number of nodes for that give you actually number of rows times number of tables in a relational database. Right, Plus, right. you do have the relationships here as well that would add to the complexity, of course. So, how big can these graphs get? That that's also a very great question because again, the way that graphs work. Uh, or actually it's graph data is structured, it makes it a bit hard to scale and chart. Uh, a relational database, it's easy to cut a table and put it on the two servers, right? And that right. would allow you to be able to more, I would say, intuitively partition your data and go with your scalability beyond a specific, uh, basically, um, you know, one server. So. Easily gotcha. go with much gotcha. much bigger data, and that that's that that has been one of the drawbacks of the graph data or earlier graph database technologies that they were all uh, actually were designed or, or built to be a single host solution. So you have a bigger graph. If you want to have a bigger, uh, you know, make it even bigger, you need to scale up, add more memory or more uh, CPU. To yeah, well, we yeah we like it when they add more CPUs and maybe some persistent memory from Intel. Yeah. That, see, that would be great, it's right? It's awesome and. And that's great. <laughs> but I can't scale to petabyte, that's, that's petabyte right? right? Now, if you do have that, you know, you can definitely still, you want to vertically scale as much as possible, thanks to the technologies like Intel PMM and all that. But then once you get to basically 
uh, a place that you want to actually work with petabytes of data, then you would want to scale horizontally. And the newer technologies on the, on the graph data platforms, like ourselves, are actually all about distributed computing. And distributed computing is basically allowing us to now uh, shard the graph, basically just look at, you know, in terms of just using a scissor and cutting the graph and multiple pieces and just make sure that those edges or those linkages are kept or preserved. And then you can split or divide the problem into multiple small pieces and have each graph worker work on a small part of the graph and give you the, the final solution. Okay, so there are so this is a, this is a new thing, this right? New. Um, distributed, distributed uh, graph databases. Because I, I like how you mentioned that that has been a limitation in the past, yeah. right? A graph database can only be as big as the amount of memory you have um, on your box, basically, yeah. which makes them screaming fast, right? Yeah. <laughs> if everything's in memory, but now you're now you're saying they do have distributed techniques Absolutely. now. I can. So how big can I make a distributed uh, graph now? Is there any limitation? Well, from our technology, what I can say, we've proven like, you know, you could use 256 machines or beyond to be able to actually process your data. So if you multiply it by those into hardware, huh. you can easily get to tens of petabytes of data in memory. Yeah. Yeah, tens of petabytes. Yeah, that's a lot of data. Absolutely. Right, and, and all in one... Graph. All in one graph, all connected. That's in, that's incredible. That's, yeah, that's absolutely. I mean, because that that actually matches some of the existing requirements that we have from graph that are dealing with you know daily collecting logs, data, and being able to analyze it and bring it back to the downstream systems. We usually petabyte of data, especially for the companies that provide SaaS solutions for their customers, and they want to have a cross customer analytics. It's it's really a very popular sort of use case. RDBMS has been around a long time. A lot of tools around backup and restore um, on managing indexes and, and purging parts, uh, you know, cleaning up databases. All this has been around for a long time. What about for graph databases? Do I have the same issues or is it different because it's stored differently? Because you're storing the model instead of a representation of the model. I mean, what's built up around and do I need an ecosystem like I've had to build with uh, relational databases? Yeah, pretty much similar. Uh, maybe graph is a little bit more dynamic and might be a, a little bit more flexible to tackle. But I would say that we do, if, if you are providing a graph database management system, you would need to go through the same process, very much like relational databases. And thankfully, those have already been resolved. Uh, now, okay. if you want to move to, you know, graph data analytics platform, which is a little bit beyond just the operational databases, uh, you could take advantage of other things like data warehousing capabilities. The data lake capabilities, you know, one of them would be just the storage of separate, uh, the, sorry, the separation of the storage and compute, meaning that especially for those graph processing technologies that are doing everything in memory, you don't really need to rely on storage uh, that is attached to the services. So you can have a totally different storage uh, service. Uh, what we use, for example, is object storage. And whenever we want to compute, we opportunistically load whatever we want from the graph to the memory, distributed memory of all these machines, finish the computation, 
bring the data back in an immutable way to the storage. So in that case, even if you destroy the whole cluster, and that's something that you would see uh, data scientists or the analytics uh, you know, use cases require a lot, uh, you, you don't lose anything. All your data is already there, uh, warehoused, and you, you just need to actually be able to run a immutable workload after. Gotcha. No, that that so what what you're telling me is all the things that I can find in relational databases, analytics packages, uh, backup and restore, maintenance, all that stuff exists for graph databases too. Best. Is that okay? So I'm not I'm not bleeding bleeding edge out here where I'm all alone and I have no support. There's lots of um, it, there's open source uh, graph databases and there's commercial ones. There's there's more than just one out Absolutely. there. Right? Again, we could talk about these things, and these are all valid concerns because, as you said, the relational database world or others, th these are mature fields and graph is, is yeah. you know, a bit newer. Um, but one thing is absolutely, some of these things are detectable. One of the other limitations that I should say, uh, people mention about graph data um, and data storage is about the language. Lack of uh, standard language to query graph. And it's on the way to go. Now, OpenCypher is a de facto standard way of talking to graph. Uh, it's, it's very similar like a SQL, I would say, but definitely more intuitive for graphs. And then um, we are on the horizon to see a GQL, which is a graph query language, which is going to be a standard one, which is, you know, pretty much based on OpenCypher. So, so soon enough, we're going to see a very standard language to be able to talk to graphs. Oh, that would be great because then I I have that portability that I worry about, right, as a practitioner. So SQL statement, has anyone written an SQL to graph? Uh, oh, interesting. Um, not know of, but, you know, there is graph SQL, uh, you know, graph-like SQL statements. or, or just... Well, some of them won't make yeah. sense. Yeah, exactly. Like join. I'm going to join what? Yeah. <laughs> there aren't tables. There aren't tables to join. Yeah, right? it should be an easy task. But if you do have the graph, I would say, if you do have the graph capabilities, you want to benefit from, from them. You don't want to downgrade your internet. You don't want to downgrade them. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But on the service layer, I've seen a lot. I mean, now there is this uh, GraphQL, basically, uh, framework that will allow us to connect to any sort of relational uh, NoSQL document or graph database for that matter and be able to provide an API and and GraphQL actually is doing a good job and it's based on a graph data backend but it can work for anything so that would be probably a very nice way of putting this interface in front of the, the backend layer. Oh, this this has been um, insightful. I because this is a big conundrum for a lot of people, especially as our data is exploding, especially unstructured or semi-structured data. Sounds like graph databases is a good way to go. Um, but like you said, not for everything. Yeah. So do you do you ever see anyone maybe going to a graph database first and then saying, "Hey, I understand the structure well enough. I'm going to drop it into." A relational database for index speed and things like that, or how, how do you see? I, I think I think everybody that well, this is based on my view, and you know, um, I'm, I'm not saying that you know I'll, I'll give 100% certainty on my view, but you know, based on my, I would say about you know, eight years being experienced in the field and talking to different stakeholders and customers, um, people that 
use graph, they, they immediately see the benefit. They don't want to drop it. Uh, the, the main reason that they may drop it is because of the, some of the technologies cannot keep up in terms of scalability. And, uh, or maybe they're just expensive. So the work that you know, us and every other you know, graph technology out there is doing is try to make graph more like a very commodity tool that people can use for different things rather than a luxury sort of you know, database. Gotcha. Yeah, like I'm only targeting it to this problem because it's perfect for a graph. The cost benefits are huge. Yeah. So I see where you're going. You want to make it more commonly used. Uh, that makes yeah, sense to yeah. me. Yeah, and I'm I'm working with companies now who are actually providing graph-based solutions. So everything is graph. Um, graph-based solutions for identity, for massive data management, and all that. And they, they see the benefits immediately that they can't really downgrade back to relational database. And I, again, I'm not saying that these are replacing each other. Is that maybe it's still relational database are going to be used for some purposes, but not for the problems that necessarily deal with interconnected data. No, that that makes sense. That make that makes absolute sense. So this this will cover almost any vertical. I can I can see applications, especially for IoT yeah. uh, types of devices, right? So we can see this span all verticals. Um, what what would you say are the hottest the hottest use case, the hottest verticals yeah. right now? Uh, that you guys are seeing the most traction. Yeah, definitely. I mean, graph in general started from those, I would say, early invention of graph solutions specific to some product. You know, by you know companies like LinkedIn and Facebook, they have their own social graphs and all that. Um, more textbook now. You know, a very good example could be in e-commerce, right? Uh, uh, the the problem of recommendation engine, basically. Oh, recommendation. Yeah, I mean, this, this is huge because. Just, just look at it and again. I, I try to just you know imagine my mind. I'm going to whiteboard and try to actually now uh, abstract this problem. What are we talking about? I'm talking about customers, you know, accounts, purchases, products and services, and other things, right? And as soon as I actually can find this connection between them and how customers do some actions, maybe they review a product, they purchase it, they click on a link, and if I can have this basically graph made based on that uh, behavior of the customers, then I can easily now look at a specific customer that now has signed into my you know e-commerce website and look what attributes they have what kind of you know purchase they have done before what other customers they're similar to by just you know finding this pattern or traversing to the graph from one customer to the other find all the similarity measures and then be able to provide the recommendation right away to that customer so this is something that you again you couldn't do it with any sort of other data store other than graph and that's so it's great. It's great for like real time relationship traversing. I love it, yeah. right? Because otherwise, can you imagine the 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 relational database queries on 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 that? You'd be hitting all the tables in in your e commerce, yeah. uh, and the joins would be extraordinary, and it wouldn't be in seconds. It would be in minutes if you were lucky. Exactly, especially in this case, you already have a starting point. It means that look at you know you you have your 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 source. And possibly even, a, you know, maybe you're looking at how to walk from that source and find some destination packet. Yeah. In relational yeah. database, this problem is not really meant to be solved that way. In graph, it's just walking right. over the graph. Simply. That's walking. Yeah, walking the graph, which which I really like a lot. Well, hey, Hattie, this has been great. 
thank you for coming on the show. I I, I learn a lot every time I talk to you. I learn something new, which I appreciate. Thank you. And um, and uh, thank you for coming on the show. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, again, inviting me to this podcast, having this conversation. It was lovely having a chat with you. I also learned a lot from, from your comments and your feedback. And anytime, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to help anybody that is interested about this concept and wants to learn more about it. Great. If you guys want to find out uh, more on how to contact Hattie, take a look at our blog at embracingdigital.org. And we'll have... We'll have an email address up there. Is that okay, Hattie? All right, there you go. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.